Hey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast, I Totally Relate. I'm Rissy. And I'm Shelves. And we hope you guys can totally relate. real treat for you guys today. You have recently met her. If you want to hear how powerful and impactful she has been in my life, check out episode 19. However, today we will be leaning into another side of her expertise. Welcome back to the podcast, Anna Marquez. I like want to like insert a round of applause. applause. She is graduated with her master's as an MF therapist. Additionally, she is trained in evidence-based trauma-informed modalities. We're going to dive into that in our conversations to really understand what that means, but what's important to take away about that right now is that there is a lot of research behind these practices that prove their efficacy. Anna works at two different sites, uh, Momentum Counseling Services as well as the Whole Person Counseling based out of Sandy, and she has access to multiple offices throughout Utah to help her clients. Modern research shows that mental health benefits of doing more than just talking. Her focus is creating healing experiences, integrating body and mind, both in the indoors and outdoors. We are so pleased to welcome back to the pod, Anna Marquez. Thank you. (laughs) Once again. Yay. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Okay. Uh, Do you want to just start by telling us how you became interested in therapy? Yeah, that's a pretty long story, but I'll condense it. I grew up in an environment where uh, there was not a lot of support and I was an only child so it felt very um, like I had to figure something out and maybe this is just my temperament or I don't know but I was bent on figuring how some people were um, happy and how some people had a family, how some people because I didn't necessarily had a, a united family where I could go to and feel supported. And so I I don't know, I but like the curiosity started for me very young and uh, because of my own healing, I started going to therapy. I started like working around 13 and started paying for my own therapy around that age. And I could say that I've been in several types of treatment and it was uh, amazing to me to find trauma-informed therapy like it just it was a game changer for me it did so much for me in 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 recovering my abilities to connect and self-regulate that I felt like I had to pass down that Mm. those abilities to people that have gone through similar things to mine or not just like in general like any kind of uh trauma is going to it's going to require us to recover that those abilities. So, so I, I just I just feel like this calling. I think it's it's always always an interest of mine to know how people heal, how people feel uh, whole and supported, and how people relate to each other. Like this always been super interesting to me, and because of my own life, because I didn't I didn't necessarily had that passed down generationally, and so I had to figure it you know, through science and, um, and my own journey in therapy. So I feel like it's just a calling for me. Like I had to do this. I had to recover myself and I had to share that with people that had the same, same interest. 
Yeah. Mm. So you felt like it was a gift that you had received and you wanted to like also yeah. give that back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Something I'm just realizing because I know that you are really interested in science. Mm-hmm. But on a personal level, mm-hmm. I know you as like a healer, like such a safe, warm place to be. Mm. And so it actually makes a lot of sense. Like, oh, so you're going to take all this science stuff that fuels you <laughs> and is exciting <laughs> and you're going to put that in the form of love and healing. Mm, wow. Like that's like all of a sudden I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course. She's wow. A <laughs> it's the healing part with yeah. the science. Yeah, yeah. To me, like, yeah, I'm I love understanding the world in the most pure way which is science yeah yeah science kind of is like the language of mother nature right uh yeah i mean <laughs> i say this as i adjust my glasses <laughs> I love when you, do that. <laughs> you said that you personally experienced different kinds of therapy mm-hmm. what and trauma-informed therapy you feel like is what was the most helpful for you? Were there, what was your experience with the other ones? Like, was it not helpful or it kind of is and you should still like pursue that? Like, I don't like. Yeah, I I hear you. Um, I I am not a purist or an absolutist. So so when I talk about like uh, therapy models, I'm just careful to say where I've seen it work best. Mm. Yeah. So, for example, like uh, a person that struggles with addictions, they're going to get a lot of CBT initially. Uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which now the, the, they've added a T before the CBT because they realize that they were missing the trauma informed components. Right. Mm. When it comes to to certain things, uh, the models are going to be helpful regardless. Right. Uh, there are several models out there. Now, for me, what matters most is for me, trauma is a part of life. Like, for me, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the same camp as like Gabor Matt and Bessel van der Kolk and Dick Schwartz. And I'm in the same camp of this, like the, the science that we have so far, where we understand that pretty much like most of the, the diagnoses that we have in the DSM are just expressions of it's just the ways that we cope with trauma. Oh, wow. Okay, say that one more time. So the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, is where uh, the mental health community has gathered this, uh, you could say diagnosis, you know, that's the word that we use. Uh, but it really, uh, I, it, the, the research uh, so far is showing that are just ways that we cope with trauma. Oh. Wow. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and yes, it absolutely has to do with genetics sometimes. And it has to do with like genetic expression, which is very different than just the genetics. Like we have the genetics and the genetic expression and genetic expression is modifiable. Like that's epigenetics. But that's another thing. Like <laughs> all of these things that that we label like, oh, you have this disorder, you have that disease, you have this addiction, like all of those things are really just a, a manifestation or, or a coping, yeah, a coping method yeah. of trauma. Correct. Like that, it's just ways that we cope with trauma. And because I am of that understanding right now, uh, for me, it is more helpful to provide to my clients evidence-based trauma-informed therapy. And of course, that probably will evolve with, with time. And I, I'm, I'm very invested in continuing my education so that I can continue to get like uh, knowledgeable about what needs to 
be there in order to provide that service where it is focused in, on the trauma so that so that the coping strategies don't have to overwhelm the client if yeah. that makes sense yeah because i don't see diagnosis as a bad thing um i don't see depression as a bad thing as our is our body saying something like oh, they might need something and mm. so it's just where it becomes something it becomes unhelpful it's not like a bad thing it's just unhelpful for the client at the time right like yeah. we're sad when someone dies but if it becomes a depression and it just like makes us not function for years that's when it becomes a uh, you could say problem, but it's not because it's a bad thing, it's because it's unhelpful. Mm, yeah. Mm, okay. What is trauma? Oh, so let me adjust the chair. <laughs> um, this is going to be a, a hard for me to condense because, again, like this is like my specialty. So it's okay. I. You don't have to condense. I've been, okay. Tell us, girl. I've been thinking about this question because I knew that I was coming here to kind of represent trauma <laughs> you know how, how Brenna Brown represents shame I feel like oh, this yeah. is my I represent I represent this like I, I know it I feel it I mm. so um, let's just start with biology because I feel like a lot of my clients have given me the feedback that understanding how biology works for them has removed a lot of the shame they had mm. about their own trauma okay so biologically, we're made to attach and survive, right? Like that's like survival and attachment are like the basis of human nature. Once you go through a dangerous or vulnerable situation, our autonomic nervous system, the ANS, creates an imprint to protect you in the future for survival, right? Mm. And the reason why we call it the ANS, the automatic nervous system, is because it atomizes those reactions, those protective reactions, to free space for other processes, mm. right? So I automatically now have this, you know, I can walk without thinking, right? That's, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. But if something happens to me where I was uh, in a dangerous situation or uh, simply um, not supported, right? Gabor Mate, and you, you'll hear me quote a lot of like the trauma gurus because like this is where I learn all this uh, but one of the things that it says is like uh, when we don't have the support to process an event that's when we can potentially get traumatized it's not because an event is traumatizing it's just the support that was lacking that attachment that was lacking right like the survival gets imprinted but then there was no attachment so so the trauma is going to say okay protect again from this right and is going to look in the environment for this future danger because we didn't have the protection at the time, so we have to create these patterns in our in our um, autonomic nervous system. But but is a good thing, right? So well, I am a, a little confused. So you're saying the event itself is not traumatizing. Is not traumatizing. No. It's the lack of support that comes. So someone who has support could experience so you and I are in the same event we experience mm -hmm. the same thing mm -hmm. but you have the support where someone is showing up for you you're able to have that attachment yeah you're able to process it differently than if I don't have that support it maybe affects me differently than it does you just based off of 
not having the attachment. Like if you and I are in a car accident, mm-hmm. right? And and we both survive, right? We we got it and you go to your loved one and you got that support, that emotional support, but I go and nobody really cared if I got in an accident or nobody was there for me or everybody was like tending you and nobody was paying attention to me. Survival without the attachment, that is going to be probably trauma. Yeah. So biologically, it is it is normal that our bodies are, are getting ready for the next time to survive, right? Mm. And so it does that naturally. This yeah. is just like a regular function of our bodies. And so the the where we run into and, and here's the thing, like trauma is a little misunderstood because it's not a bad thing. Like it's it's something that life brings suffering. Right. And so yeah. so and, and we're not all the time going to be able to have that support. One of the things that we were going to ask about, like, how do you prevent trauma? And it sounds like what you're saying is like, well, are you alive? OK, yeah, <laughs> you're going to come across trauma. Yeah, like, you can't. It's not something that we can make sure never happens. Yeah. And there, there are people that define trauma with like big, big T trauma, little T trauma. I. I I disagree. I think like trauma is just trauma and it's like why feeling ashamed that that's even there? Like if it's there, I mean if you go outside, you know, like this is why I say that, that trauma is part of life. You go outside and you get dirty and then you take a shower. You're not shaming yourself because you got dirty. You're living, right? Mm-hmm. So you're living, you take a shower and then you're clean. That doesn't mean that you're clean forever. You're going to have another experience. You're going to have to get another shower. Mm. Trauma recovery is that is the shower that you have to do all the time because life happens. Yeah. And so you're constantly having experiences that could be traumatizing if you don't have that support. Uh, that's what Gabor Mata says, is like it, uh, when you lack that support is that that's when you can have trauma is, is that is the loss of uh, our access to our self-regulatory and connecting abilities. Right. So so if something happens to me and I don't have the ability to regulate, I'm going to need someone else to co-regulate with. So I lose the ability to connect to myself or to connect to others with trauma. Right. So trauma recovery is recovering those abilities, Mm -hmm. recovering the ability to self-regulate and to co-regulate. One of the messages I'm taking away is like, okay, how do you prevent trauma? You have healthy connections in your life. Mm hmm. Yeah. Whether that is like your chosen family or your predisposed family, like having people that you can connect to Mm -hmm. helps prevent trauma. Yes. Yes. Having people that you can process situations that happen to you. So one of the things that that, uh, we think is praiseworthy is toughening up right Mm -hmm. Uh, shut down your emotion like hey that's not that big of a deal right this is why i'm saying that the little t big t trauma can get us in so much trouble because it's like well that was not really a big deal like i shouldn't make a big deal out of this if you're feeling it then it is it it process it damn it like stop measuring whether it's a big t or a little t just process it uh, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate again, he wrote a book about, uh, it's called When the Body Says No. One of the things that he talks about is that when we shut down emotion or fake it, you're also affecting your immune system, your mm. nervous system. So the repression of emotion, which is a survival strategy, then becomes a source of 
uh, physiological illness later on. So it, you're not mm. just talking mental health and trauma, but you're also like crossing into like your body, mm-hmm. right? Yes. This is what trauma recovery includes the body, includes the visceral reactions. You cannot heal trauma without including the body. Yeah, You have to use the body because the trauma gets stored in the body. So yeah, absolutely, when we go through pain, right? And pain is physiological, right? We know this, we feel it in our bodies. And if, if it is not properly metabolized with a secure attachment, it becomes trauma, right? And by metabolize, I mean that support that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I was, not, I was invalidated. I was, you know, not seen. You know, I was told to toughen up or whatever. So trauma is pretty much the unmetabolized pain. Now here's the thing: invalidation is not necessarily a bad thing. Most of the time, when we get like, and and I'm gonna talk in the context of parenting because a lot of the times, like most of the trauma that we have is just from childhood. Yeah. And we're like, well, but my parents were great. Of course they were great, and they were human, mm. and they cannot shop 100% of the time for you. So it is possible that with your temperament, your genetics, your this, your that, your school experiences, you know, there was a a a chain of trauma. So invalidation is not a bad thing. It's just okay. Out of love, my parents were more focused on my survival. Mm. They said, don't cry, be tough, because in this world, you gotta be tough. Yeah, they're right, they're right. Like, uh, and, and, and validations a lot of the times with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Our families had good intentions, or historically, the, the, the time in history that we live in, the focus were, was more on survival, and so, so yeah, if you get invalidated several times, okay, I'm gonna explain the chain of trauma. So, and I usually, for my clients, like, I have a board and I always make drawings, mm-hmm. and so I'm, very sad that you don't get these images, but so, <laughs> so imagine trauma as a chain. You know those like chains that have like metal chain links, mm-hmm. right? So you're a little kid and this is like your neuropathways, right? And this is what the autonomic nervous system does to create the imprint for survival, right? Let's say that you are uh, three years old, everybody thinks that you're so cute because you have big cheeks and your parents are like, oh my gosh, your cheeks are adorable. First chain link. No, nothing's happened, it's just chain link. Then you turn five and you're a little bit bigger than your siblings and so people make comments about that. Not a big deal, right? Second chain link. Third chain link. In school people start teasing you because you have love handles. And it's not a big deal, but it's the third chain link. And you go like that. And so with trauma, if that is not processed, it stays as a chain link. It stays as a, as a neural pathway where you read things through. So every time that someone makes a weight comment, it's gonna be like, oh, that neural pathway, I know that, I know that. And so it just clings onto that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then we're 30 something. And one day with a spouse, our spouse looks at a girl or for no reason, she had a big hat. But he looked at the big hat and you suddenly on that chain, you're like, he's looking at her because she's skinny and I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a chain. But the thing though is like, why did I react so big? Is because when you pull the chain, do you put the do you pull only one of the chain links? No, you don't. You pull the entire thing. Mm. 
So it yeah. pulls in, it drags the entire thing. And so that's why we say we overreact. Trauma looks like an overreaction because it's grabbing onto those neuropathways that we have stored in our bodies for so long, right? Yeah. That haven't been metabolized. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Okay. So like 25 years worth of... Yes. It's Invalidation. Not, yeah. Yeah. So if it's not metabolized, if it's not processed, mm -hmm. then it it can compound and become more traumatic. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or we end up overreacting more. How do you process something? Yeah. 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 So let's talk about the metabolizing thing because I feel like I use that term because it helps me to explain a little bit. Because like, I, I have a wide variety of clients with wide variety of experiences uh, where some people will be like, oh, those have the right to have trauma and those don't have mm -hmm. the right to have trauma. Yep. <laughs> and a lot of my, like, I would I will tell you, every single of my clients that come to me with with trauma, uh, have said I don't have the the right to feel this way. Mm -hmm. No matter how horrible the story is, it's like most of the time what trauma lets you feel is shame for feeling or reacting a specific way, right? Mm -hmm. so this is the importance of uh, trauma therapy is that it is very gentle as to where the client can go. Um, it's kind of like physical therapy, right? Let's say that you come with a tore ACL. Uh, the physical therapy is not going to say, oh, your leg should be doing this, so let's do it. Let's move it up, up to uh, the, its whole, mm, whole capacity. Mm -hmm. And nobody would question that. Trauma is the same thing. You're going to like slowly help the client to recover that ability to, to co-regulate or self-regulate, whatever the, the issue is for them. Um, and because, uh, I, I use the word metabolize, because we all have different speeds for that. We all have different ways that we process things. Like the, when I eat a sandwich, I digest that sandwich at a different speed than you do. It doesn't make me right or wrong. It just is different. It just is. It just is. And so, yeah, some situations like, like someone commenting on weight might impact you really big because you have that chain chain links to attach to whereas for me it could be like completely nothing nothing that bothers me right mm -hmm. and so the, the how do you process well it depends right it depends yeah. on the person it depends on where they are at it depends on like the time i mean it just so many things but i will tell you how about this i'll tell you in a general picture what it looks like and, and, and again, for, for those that are listening, just understand that this is very general and this is not what it looks like for everybody. Uh, as a general, it, it, it's kind of what happens, right? So trauma happens. Uh, someone experiences something, not, not because it's traumatizing, but because um, they didn't have the support or, uh, or because uh, they just haven't had the opportunity to metabolize it. Sometimes it's just, the situation, like the situation that you were living in or, you know, whatever it is, trauma happens. And so what happens to our brains is it uh, kind of like with, um, do you know those like uh, glasses that are like sh uh, different colors, shattered? What are they called? Oh, uh, stained oh, glass? The pr yeah, stained glass. Yeah, like in the churches, you know. Mm -hmm. The mind kind of shatters, right? And, and it splits in parts because then I have a part of me that feels this mm. way and a part of me that feels this other way. Or I have mm. a part of me that, that doesn't know how to process that, right? Um, and, and then 
our bodies atomize protection, right? Like our, we're made of survival, and so our bodies create this this uh, imprints to survive the next time that we go through this situation. So our reactions becomes unconscious, pretty much, right? Yeah. Automatic, and so we have no conscious control. But then at one point or the other, we become aware of the split. And it sounds like this, I don't like this part of me. I don't like this behavior of me. Like, if only I was this way instead. Like, if I were outside, like, if this were out, like, not a part of me. If this yeah. wasn't, if I could just get rid of it. Yeah. Then I would We notice a part of us that is just, hmm, like, that is split from us, mm. right? Mm. I hate being with myself. Well, who's I and who's myself, right? And so the split happens. And, and, and by the way, uh, multiplicity of mind is biological. It's not, a, a, it's not DID. You don't have to have the uh, dissociative identity disorder in order to have splits. We all do. Um, so you're aware of the split. I don't like this part of me or whatnot. And the thing, though, is like usually we have shame. Oh, I, there's something wrong with me. And so because there's something wrong with me, I push away. Those parts keep getting more split, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the, the feelings of isolation, anxiety, depression, uh, shame, self-hate, right? So that is kind of how people usually come to therapy. It's like they're stuck in this chain, in this chain of like, I don't like this part of me. Yeah. I want to get rid of it. Well, yeah. the interesting thing is trauma recovery is... Um, you're aware of the splits, and instead of getting rid of them, there's a con conscious integration. Mm. Is instead of pushing away those parts, is understanding why that chain link was created. Yeah. What is trying to protect me from? What is uh, like is just bringing curiosity to that biologically response of my body. My body th did this for a very good reason, right? Yeah. And so it, it sounds icky to say, uh, well, why, why does my body have depression, right? Like, like is it doing that for a good reason? I, I, would, I would definitely encourage uh, to have that curiosity and integrate that depressed part. Like, when did you felt, felt when, when did you first felt depressed, right? Yeah. And I, I work a lot with like clients with PTSD and the hypervigilance is just, oh, exhausting. Yeah. It's like, why is my body constantly like doing this and this and that? Well, it's constantly looking for that danger again and again and again, and it's like out of love. And so once we understand those parts of us, we can integrate them. Yeah. We can have love for them. Yeah. And that's when self-love happens. And yeah. that's when we can, uh, and sometimes, Sometimes you can heal parts of you. Yes, absolutely. There are times where you can heal parts. Some other times is just understanding that there's parts of you that will have disabilities and that cannot be cured. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the healing is the acceptance of that part of you. Yeah. Yeah, it's not the fixing that fixes, but is the the secure attachment, is the acceptance of that part, is, is, is again, that, 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 yeah, that's like your attachment with a part of you. Yeah. Oh, there's a part of me that like loves that for everyone, but hates that for myself. <laughs> okay. You know, okay. like, what if you don't want to accept those parts of you? Mm -hmm. Well, what, I, what happens? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, that that's that's 
what I was uh, talking about this process is like you're aware of the split and you continue to try to push it away. Uh huh. And and here's the thing: for most of us, we do that very successfully for a long time. Yeah. yeah. We push it away for a very long time. Like whether it is uh, for me, I would never. I ne- I I didn't use like substances. I didn't use uh, things that were not accepted by society. I was just incredibly busy. I've always been a, like that's how I deal with it. I mm. overly exercise. I overly, uh, I overly focus on healthy food, and I, you right. know, I, I did the quote unquote right things. But it's no different than the person that is using alcohol mm. at all, right? Yeah. Right? Because I was hiding from those parts of me in the end, yeah. and I was trying to push them away. And so what happens if you don't want to accept it, you can continue to try to push it away. It's just still yours, still there. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's in your body. It's going yeah. to be in your, like it, you, we can deny ourselves. We can isolate ourselves, but it, we, can, we can run away from those. And so might as well, if they're there, get to know them, mm-hmm. integrate them, befriend them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's like that accepting that a part of you responded this way maybe even learning how to be grateful that a part of you tried to protect you yeah and then uh, and then still being like and i and i still don't want to behave like that anymore mm-hmm. so like maybe it's like never something that ever really goes away but maybe that acceptance and that compassion like yeah. is that is that part of like processing that- <laughs> yeah yeah big time um and it's interesting because uh, the mental health field started from the medical field. So before it used to be uh, focus on symptoms, right? Yeah. Focus on curing symptoms. And we've moved enough on mm-hmm. the research that now we're a little bit more focused on the root of the, sy- the symptoms. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, because uh, curing the symptoms was working for a little bit. And then we had a, lo- a high, high, uh, like the statistics for recidivism were very high. So people will come back to therapy for the same thing mm. over and over because, yeah, you were you were successful at suppressing it with being busy. Mm. You were successful at suppressing it with relationships, maybe. Okay. Right. But you still had that and it showed up in one way or the other. And like Gabor Mata says, um, when you suppress that, when you shut it down, however you do that, it's still in your body and it will become a physiological illness later on. So I, I keep on coming back to the visualization of the chain. The chain. That, that mm-hmm. really helped my yeah. brain. It makes sense that you have this thing that starts um, and my brain is thinking that we have a lot of different chains. And mm-hmm. some of us have chains that are yeah. short. Some chains are longer. Yeah. Um, and so when you're saying like okay you get to know and befriend these i I like to call them like shadow aspects of ourself okay yep so carl jung yeah (laughs) so um i guess my question is what you're saying is you might not dismantle that entire chain but maybe if it's 20 links long you might be able to get it to five links or it's not necessarily gone but you can yeah. Or is it always going to be twenty? Like, is somebody always going to yank that chain and you go back to the root? Or yeah. once you befriend that, you can, instead of going all down twenty links, you can stop at five links in and say, "Oh, I recognize this process." Or that's a great question. Yeah. So the befriending is so that we can allow that survival strategy 
to have a window of tolerance. What do I mean by that? Mm. There's a trigger and then we know the reaction our, mm -hmm. is atomized, right? Mm -hmm. Once we befriend that part of us, we create a space between the trigger and the reaction because mm -hmm. now we get to know that. We know this reaction. We're getting to know our body is so much better. Once we bring that awareness into our bodies, that's what I mean by befriending, is we bring that awareness to our bodies, to that reaction. I know that I react like that. So I am making a bridge between my limbic system where, where you know my body, my reactive, my survival and my attachment system. Once I bring that awareness, there's a window of tolerance. There's the, the trigger happens and I don't, because I know it, mm. there's going to be an opportunity for me to make a choice to react mm. differently. To this react or respond. Mm. Yeah. 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 And so uh, it's not going to be so trigger reaction. So, and, I, and I, you mm. can't see me, but I'm using my fists because uh, the, the trigger and the reaction are like back to back when it is atomized. Right. But when we befriend this chain links and the, the, I mean, these chains, right? When we befriend them, we understand them. Is that attunement to our bodies? Oh, this happened. I know that I get very triggered by bodies because I had this shame about my body, you know, talking about that example that we talked and I just glance at my partner and they're looking at that person. Maybe this is a, per a perception. So I have that opportunity. I will not have it if I don't befriend my body. Mm -hmm. Like the, the react, like I would not have that window of tolerance if I don't do the uh, specific body visceral trauma work. I have to know my visceral reactions. I have to befriend those. I have to befriend my body in order for me to have that window of tolerance so that my body knows, hey, she can keep me alive. The survival instinct kicks in and I'm like, okay, we can still have this attachment because trauma is uh, created in relationships and it is healed in relationships. So a lot of the trauma that we have is mostly relationships with it, its exceptions of like, yeah, like when you have like a car accident or whatnot, right? right. But yeah, so so I am gonna have that opportunity to say, oh no, no, I'm I haven't lost this attachment. They're not gonna leave me or or think that I'm less than for looking at that person. So I could ask for clarification or I could express to my partner how I feel. And you know, there's more opportunities there. But my and and we're talking about a a, a trauma that is like you know pretty common for most of us, yeah. just like the insecurity of how we look and whatnot. Going to therapy, having a therapist, having somebody who can be gentle and educated, mm -hmm. like that is a way to, they have models and different practices mm -hmm. of processing. Mm -hmm. Is like, is EMDR, is that like one of the models? Yes, EMDR is one of the models. And you will see that all of the evidence-based trauma-informed therapy models um, are very similar. So, I mean... You can have a, so I am trained in EMDR and IFS and EFT. EFT, no tapping, but the emotionally focused therapy. And that's for uh, okay. couples is to, is to increase secure attachment pretty much. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with couples. Uh, and now you can't even do that with individuals. So it's just helping people to develop secure attachment because secure attachment heals trauma, yeah. <laughs> you know? And so that's a... Um, that's one. EMDR is uh, and IFS are very similar. Lifespan integration, I'm not training that, but I have myself, my therapist has done that to me, and it was very helpful, and it, very, it was very similar to IFS and EMDR. 
And somatic experiencing is another one. That's Peter Levine's model uh, that focuses on bodily reactions. I might not be super accurate with this statistic, Google it, but 80% of the trauma is, is in our bodies. Like uh, mm. uh, 80% of um, uh, what we learn from the world is through our bodies. Like, and, yeah. and then it's about 20% like in our heads. And so that awareness, that, that integration is like, is crucial for process like uh, you know we say mental health and i posted this recently on my instagram um that we we call it mental health to to say um health of the mind right but in reality mental health is not mental it's is physiological yeah you know like it's it's mental health is not mental yeah it's physiological yeah you you said something else that just kind of blew me away too uh so if 80 percent of what we're experiencing is physical and like only 20 percent is mental in our body it's not not just physical but it's like visceral nervous system and our nervous system is connected to our our, yeah yeah. like all through all of our different senses yeah yet the the thing that the twenty percent is like running the show. Yeah. Right. Like. Yeah. The thoughts. Mentally, yeah. we're like talking ourselves in and out of like everything. Yeah. Right. But yeah. Yeah. So like, how can you? How can you heal with just only using twenty percent? Well, this is why I find this is why I'm very passionate about training myself in this and and then. I, I will say I'm not very eloquent at translating what I've learned and the practices that I do. I'm doing my best for that, but I make sure that the practices that I am doing uh, are helpful to to heal trauma because my my fear is there there are certain uh, practices where the in the the coaching of the client is uh, they they make the split bigger. Oh yeah, mm. let's just. Yeah, doing drugs is bad, so we're going to punish that part of you or mm-hmm. or ignore that part of you or tell it that is evil or you know or yeah. and it's shame like shame it. Like yeah, it's sh- like you're going to shame it out of you. Yeah, and it, it's like, oh, yeah, maybe successfully this person will always be able to shove that, but there will always be this like shame and 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 and, and isolation almost yeah. that that's not being integrated and being integrated doesn't mean that you condone the behavior or that the consequences of the behavior are not there at all it only means that we understand where this chain was created and we allow it to be processed in the way that it, it metabolized in the way that it needed to be metabolized right so that so that we it doesn't get trapped you're just choosing not to ignore it anymore. Like, igno- yeah. like ignoring it would make it go away. Well, you know, again, we're made for survival and attachment. So because we want to survive and attach constantly, these parts of us that disconnect us, it's it's a catch-22 because they disconnect us, so we want to get rid of them. So because we want to get rid of them, we hide them. And because we hide them, we disconnect more from others. Mm. You know? And so where do we start? Yeah. <laughs> like, Yeah. A vicious cycle. Yeah, trauma can be defined as any unresolved autonomic nervous system response. It's about nervous system's response to an event. It is not necessarily the event itself. Events can affect each of us very differently. That's how Peter Levine uh, defines trauma. Yeah. Where can people get in touch with you? 
Yeah, they can find me on the Momentum Counseling website or the Whole Person Counseling website. If I am not a fit, I have zero problem finding someone a fit, right? Because, like, I mean, personality matters. And um, if you're looking for a trauma therapy and you're looking a specific therapist, I'm very passionate about finding people the right fit. Mm. Oh, oh my gosh. In fact, a a friend of mine started a podcast with therapists that is called The Right Fit. Oh. And she interviews, uh, she's going to interview me in, uh, soon. She shows a lot of therapy, I mean, obviously. Uh, her show is about introducing therapists so that you can find the right fit. But I'm happy to always help people find the right fit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whether it's outside of state, whether it's like if they have questions about models, uh, because the nature of therapy, I'm not allowed to be the therapist of my friends and family. Right. And a lot of them come to me and they want me to be their therapist and I, I end up referring out and I, I just, I love helping people finding a right fit. And, yeah. and so they can contact me, but but don't, uh, I, I do wanna make sure that you know that uh, I don't, nece- it doesn't necessarily have to be for me. Yeah. That I'm happy to um, yeah. to be contacted to find someone that will be helpful for a specific demographic. And I don't take all cases. Sometimes like there are cases that I refer out like a specific um, quote unquote diagnosis that I know other people that are more specialized than I am. Mm-hmm. I have no problem referring out. Like, right. like this, is, this is my calling and I just happen to be lucky to have it as my career. But yeah, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm happy to, to help. I want to be like you. (laughs) Yeah. We just want to share a big thank you to everybody who helped make this episode possible. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Drop into our DMs. You can find us on Instagram at I totally relate pod. Or you can share your feedback and insights with us at I totally relate pod at gmail.com. We totally want to get to know you. See you next time. Peace out.